Welcome to the Chapel Grove Church Podcast, the Bible-centered show that focuses on searching the scriptures to find answers to common spiritual questions. To learn more, go to chapelgrovechurch.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking with Adam Warren from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today I wanted to ask you a question about the book of Daniel. A lot of times when we go through the Old Testament, we'll approach these books in different ways, but it's always good to know the structure of a book before we get too deep into it. So I wonder if you could give us kind of just a, an overview or a way to approach the book of Daniel. Yeah, so I appreciate you asking me to be on today. And I'm a congregational teacher at uh, the Broken Arrow Congregation in Oklahoma. And so I've been studying over the last several years the book of Daniel. And so maybe I might be able to share a few things that might be helpful as far as kind of the structure and function go. It's important, obviously, with any book of the Bible. And it's very important with Daniel. Daniel in particular is a lot like the Revelation. If you study the Revelation, uh, many people find it very difficult to understand uh, because they don't take into account the structure uh, and the function together there in the Revelation. And Daniel is no different. So at the beginning of Daniel chapter 1, uh, that chapter is an intro chapter. It's introducing us to the context of what's going on. Uh, we're taught there that God is faithful to his promises. God had told his people long before this period of time that they would be punished if they were unfaithful. And at the very beginning of Daniel, uh, that's the onset. His people are being taken out of Jerusalem and are being taken to Babylon uh, to be punished. And God had told them that would happen if they were unfaithful. Now, throughout this particular chapter, it's highlighted that Daniel is faithful. In the middle of the chapter, we see this example of where Daniel is given the opportunity to uh, enjoy the delicacies of the king's meat and basically uh, conform and become a Babylonian. But uh, his faith is highlighted, and we see that he makes that choice. Now, at the end of chapter 1, we see that God once again is faithful in his promises to deliver. Cyrus is introduced, and Cyrus is called the Messiah uh, by the prophet Isaiah. And so it's told us in the very beginning that God is faithful to his promises uh, to punish, that we see individuals like Daniel who are faithful uh, servants of God, and that God is faithful to deliver. And so that's an important introduction to the book of Daniel. Moving throughout Daniel, we see this structure of what's chiasm. The book is broken down actually into two different languages. It's an interesting book in that, in that most books are not like that. After chapter 1, the book is actually written in Aramaic. Chapter 1 is Hebrew. Chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 are in Aramaic. Beginning in chapter 7, it goes back to the Hebrew. Now, there's lots of different speculation on why it was written in that way. But one of the things we might notice is that in these chapters 2 through 6, this is the Babylonian period. And whenever we come out of the Babylonian period, uh, we go back to the Hebrew in chapter 7. So I want to just interject a question real quick, because you said a word that a lot of the listeners may not be familiar with, that word chiasm. What is that? Chiasm is a word uh, that is used uh, by the Hebrews, and it's used by uh, other nations throughout the world. It's actually something like a pyramid. So if I was going to describe it kind of uh, audibly, as opposed to be able to describe it on a board, you might think of uh, letters like A, B, and C. And so if you wrote A and A next to one another and provided a little bit space between them, up above A and just to the inside of A and A prime, uh, you would put B and B prime. And just above that, you might write C and C prime. Now, sometimes in chiasm, uh, your top letter would be by itself. So maybe we would say D above C and C prime. But in this case, in Daniel, it's actually C and C prime. So maybe I can kind of explain this with the nature of the, the structure here. 
Beginning in chapter 2, we see this chiasm in that Nebuchadnezzar uh, believes that he is God, and he has this uh, vision of this image uh, that he uh, is the most powerful man in the world. He feels this way, and he has this dream that needs to be interpreted. Of course, we're going to see that Daniel is going to be the one who interprets this, and that uh, the Babylonian Empire and Nebuchadnezzar is this uh, head of gold on this large monument which he sees in his dream and in his, in his vision. Now, parallel to this, if we move to chapter 7, we see the A prime uh, to the A that we just introduced. And in the particular context uh, of chapter 7, we see the kingdoms of the world once again seen, but from this context, it's actually from heaven. God looks down and Daniel is there. He looks down and he sees the kingdoms of this world and kind of this sea of chaos, and he sees these beasts arising. And so in chapter 7, all of these beasts are destroyed by the one who would come to the Ancient of Days. Parallel to that, going back to chapter 2, we would see that the one who was uh, the stone cut without, cut without hands from the mountain, he would be the one who would destroy that great monument that Nebuchadnezzar had seen. So you see the parallelism there. So that would be the A and the A prime in this chiasm that we introduced. Moving on into chapters 3, and then it's parallel in chapter 6, you remember the scenes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, being thrown into uh, the fiery furnace. Its parallel is going to be in chapter 6, uh, where Daniel is thrown to the lion's den. And so that, those two are parallel to one another. Might back up just a moment. The parallel in chapter 2 and chapter 7 are introducing to us God's control over the powers of the world. God is in total control. There's no government that is over the control of God. And then in this, this next parallel uh, in Daniel and the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see here that God has the power to deliver. After this, we see another parallel in chapters uh, 4 and chapters 5, and these chapters uh, show to us that God has the power and the control of judgment. You remember that Nebuchadnezzar is essentially put out to pasture. Uh, in chapters 4, where he esteems himself as great as God, hopes to be uh, greater than God, and he sends Daniel to tell him that if he doesn't change his ways and he, he asks that he might repent, uh, he chooses not to, and so God had promised that all of his power and authority would be taken away. And so you remember the context there. Shortly after that, we see his son Belshazzar, who forgets everything that he should have learned from Nebuchadnezzar. And you remember the handwriting on the wall, and God judges in that particular context. And so that would be our C and our C prime. And so if you kind of take a look at that structure, you can understand uh, that there is, in fact, structure there. Chiasm is used to help us uh, remember uh, a particular book in the Bible or a particular theme in the Bible. And that's an example of chiasm and structure in the first few books of Daniel. Now, the latter half of Daniel, uh, we're introduced to the visions. Chapter 7 is a chapter that is kind of a segue from the first part to the second part of Daniel. It's the last part of the chiasm. It's actually the beginning of another chiasm in the second half. It is the beginning of the visions that we see in Daniel. It's the first, uh, and chapter 8 would be the second. Chapter 9 is the third vision. Chapter 10, 11, and 12 is the final vision of Daniel. This also has structure. The first vision in chapter 7 and the last vision in chapter 10, 11, and 12 are broad 
visions, meaning they cover a large span of time. As I mentioned a moment ago, the one who could approach the Ancient of Days, he will ultimately win. And it says in chapter 7 that he is going to share his inheritance uh, with the saints of God. In chapter 12, we also see that he wins and that uh, we are ultimately uh, going to receive eternal salvation uh, with the one who can approach the Ancient of Days. Now, chapter 8 and chapter 9, it's important to understand that their focus is more specific. If you study chapters 2 and chapter 7, you'll notice that the governments of the world are being introduced. We're told specifically in chapter 8 that two of those governments is going to be the Medes and the Persians and then the Greeks. Uh, That's important. It's quite clear to us in verses 20 and 21 that that's the governments and the context and focus there. Some people would take chapters 8 and chapters 9, and they would start to apply that to a very broad scope, including the end times. It's important to understand that those chapters are more focused, leading up to the time that the Messiah would come and he would inaugurate his kingdom, but not consummate his kingdom. Chapter 7 and chapters 10, 11, and 12 regard a larger scope, which extends until even the time of the consummation of the kingdom. I know that that's a lot, Uh, but if you study the book of Daniel, and you may take a few of those things that I shared, and you try to apply them as you study those chapters, perhaps it will help you a little bit. Uh, And at the same time, I would encourage you to look at the connections that exist between Daniel and the Revelation. As you study the Revelation, you might ask yourself uh, to look for the Danielology that is found in the Revelation. Much of what is said in Daniel is introduced in the Revelation, specifically chapters 11, 12, and 13. The beast which Daniel is able to observe from chapter 7, those same beasts can be observed in Daniel chapter, or rather, Revelation chapter 13. That little horn from Daniel chapter 7, which so many people are very interested in, I believe is the beast which comes from the sea in Revelation chapter 13. And so that might just, um, that might just Uh, give you a little bit more information there, and perhaps something at least to think about as you study those two books together. That's interesting to think about, and I'll ask one quick question, and I'll buy you some time while you think about it, but the question is, when we're reading the book of Daniel, when we're studying the book of Daniel, is there something that we should be thinking of or maybe walking away with? I know it's, it's hard to condense a book into one pithy saying, but when I think of maybe the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, it's written in a certain time, um, to a certain type of people, and it makes me think of the question of prophecy. What's the point of prophecy? Is it just to tell the future, or is it to prove that God's in control? What, what are your thoughts on that as far as the book of Daniel when it, when it comes to reading and, and studying this book? Yeah, so I wouldn't say that it's just simply to predict the future. Uh, any of the miracles, including prophecy, it is told to us that prophecy is uh, one of many signs, and all of those signs are given to us that they might confirm the message which follows. And so in Daniel and in the Revelation, it's very important to keep this overarching theme in mind that God is in control. God is in control. And God uses prophecies, miracles, and many other signs throughout time to confirm that message. When a prophet would come and they would introduce a message, they would often come with some type of miraculous power to confirm that message. Now we believe that miraculous power has ceased today at least until the return of Christ, when, which will obviously include great miraculous power. 
And no one can deny whenever Jesus returns again. And the miraculous power which we observe will confirm that. Fantastic. Well, it's an encouraging book to a people who were, oh, they were in captivity. And so this had to be encouraging to hear this message, to know that God's in control, to hear these things. And the same for Revelation for us as Christians today, to know that God's in control for those in the parts of the world who may be experiencing persecution. It's an, it's a, it's something that we should take comfort in. That little part that you mentioned as far as the, the ceasing of uh, miracles, maybe that's something we'll have to delve into on another time. That's an, that's an interesting topic. So if you're interested, those of you listening, we'll try to get another follow-up episode about something like that, maybe with another speaker, maybe with Adam again. But Adam, to sum this up, thank you so much. Really appreciate your study of the book of Daniel and sharing it with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more, go to chapelgrovechurch.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and lets us know how we're doing. Until next time, take care.